Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, the story that is on everyone's mind this afternoon is a tragic one. A young man, in fact a teen, just turned 17, on his way to see his own mother killed after a stabbing on a transit bus in Surrey. The second knife attack on a bus in this area in the past two weeks. Also, the third attack, possibly the fourth, as pointed out by RCMP, possibly the fourth attack on public transit in the last month. There was, of course, another attack in the New Westminster area, the Columbia Skytrain Station, and that also happened in the past few days. But this type of violence is nothing short of outrageous. It is time for real solutions and, dare I say, leadership. Something that seems to be missing by politicians of all political stripes and all levels of government. Joining me is Surrey South MLA Eleanor Sturko, also a former RCMP spokesman for Surrey. Straight up, Eleanor Sturko, are you as troubled by this as I am? The age of this particular victim, I find that to be very concerning, very disturbing, um, we know that the last incident that happened in Surrey that claimed a person's, uh, actually that they survived rather, um, and it was a person who was slashed in the throat on public transit, that also very disturbing. Um, and now we have a, a teenager, a young person who lost their life as a result of um, an apparent altercation. Yeah, there is more that leaders can do. And, you know, in the recent days, I've actually been doing a lot of connecting with psychiatrists doctors, people who are dealing with people with complex um, mental health issues, people who have concurrent health issues with addictions or mental health. And what they've been saying is that the real catch and release in our province is happening at the hospital. We're not doing enough to support people with um, complex issues. We're certainly not doing enough um, as leaders to address people who have concurrent illnesses and certainly not helping people once they, for example, get out of a place like Redfish or even out of another program where they're stabilized, nothing is for them. Um, It's like you're stepping off a cliff instead of what should be a ramp back into the community. So uh, leaders, particularly this government, needs to step up and recognize the fact that the NDP's catch and release goes beyond the courtroom. It goes beyond looking at bail supervision. It has to address the underlying root causes of of criminality and some of these violent incidents we have. A lot isn't known yet, you know, about what happened with this 17 year old, but you know, even if it is uh, a conflict or if it is related to drugs or, or, you know, there will be social issues attached to these types of conflicts. And the, the sad reality is, is that there's been an absolute failure, particularly over the last few years where we've seen a rise in violent crime and really an escalation in mental health issues as a result maybe of isolation or other things related to our pandemic, that we've had such little urgency shown on the part of the NDP to help address these issues in the community. Are we having problems identifying future problems or future risks? 
Well, you know, that's a very interesting question. And I think that it's more of a spectrum of identification, because if you even look at the very basics of our education system right now, we're not doing enough and we're moving away from things like helping people um, who have disabilities to get their diagnosis. And so when we're not spending the money and helping increase capacity to allow people, for example, very young in life to get the diagnosis of, of some of the things that are challenging them early on in their life, what do we think will happen to our next generation? We need to invest early. And when then you look at something as complex as housing on the downtown east side, we need to completely rewrite the script on what is happening. It is, you know, the SRO model in the right circumstances could be good. But if there are people who are not able to function unsupported, and by unsupported, I mean they're not, they don't have the life skills any longer as a result of either a complex mental health issue or a concurrent addictions issue, they need more support than just being given the keys to a one-room apartment um, and being left to fend for themselves. It's time to really get back to basics, rewrite the script, and finally start giving people the in-community services that, you know, it is evidence-based that treating people in the community will be more successful. We need to stop warehousing people with um, similar circumstances together and allow them to integrate more effectively into the community and really support people on a continuum of wellness. You know, we need a recovery-oriented system of care that includes education, housing, health care, our, you know, industry, so that we can, you know, have a whole-of-systems approach to finally solve these issues and you know for once and for all people are getting very tired of seeing violence but the reality is Bruce is that catch and release goes well beyond the courtroom and there really is something rotten at the core of the way that we're treating some of these issues. And perhaps that is an underappreciated factor in this but the other side of it and there are going to be a lot of people saying I get it we need to extend uh, our services and ability to address these issues on the underlying causes but what about the penalties? Well Our BC United plan, or BC Liberals, was, it's called Better as Possible. A lot of people heard about it a couple months ago. I'm very proud of it. One of the things that it addresses is looking at the way in which we provide services to people involved with the criminal justice system, particularly people who are in BC corrections, um, converting some living units into treatment and recovery Um, wards where people can actually have more of a holistic approach to um, their stay in BC Corrections, that we're giving them a modernized opportunity to get well and then helping them even beyond. Again, it's when we discharge people out of programs and BC Corrections also needs to be looked at. It can't be a cliff where we simply push people over the edge and say, thanks for staying. Good luck. We need to have more of a ramp Um, where we're actually helping guide people upwards into their next situation, whether that's a group home, whether it's a bed-based center, or whether it's just helping them uh, find accommodations to reintegrate into the community with supports. It can't just be that you get stabilized, you finish your sentence, and that's it. You go back into the same um, circumstances that got you into a crisis in the first place. We really need to take a more holistic approach and look at what we do after the person is stabilized. Otherwise, we are continuing the cycle that everybody in the community by now has seen over and over with either chronic repeat offending, with individuals who have suffered tremendously multiple overdoses, acquired brain injuries. We have people who are, you know, um, suffering a great deal in the community. And actually, it's costing us 
a lot more than if we would rewrite what we're doing, rethink it, think outside of what we have traditionally done and actually um, start working in more of a recovery-oriented system of care. Knives are dangerous or deadly, and are we not appreciating that? You know, whether we're talking about a stick or a brick or a knife or even a firearm, the underlying issue I think that we're talking about is probably a social issue, right? So if we're talking about a situation where, for example, you probably heard that I was involved with an individual with a mental health crisis who I ended up kicking a knife away from them. In White Rock. I think that, that's right. But, you know, the underlying issue there, again, mental health, I think in the wrong hands, Bruce, anything can be used as a weapon. I think in the wrong state of mind, any situation can become dangerous. And that's why it's even more incumbent on us to make sure that we are ending once and for all the catch and release system that really is more than the courtroom. It is more than bail. It is more than um, supervision. It's about that holistic approach. Because, you know, in, in the hands of someone who is healthy and is not intending to use something as a weapon, it's a benign object. It's when that person is unhealthy or carrying an object for a dangerous purpose where we need to have that concern. So like, you know, outlying a knife, for example, is a silly notion, but, you know, a judge can impose, um, you know, a condition upon someone on their release not to possess a knife. And if they're then subsequently found with a knife, we need to ensure that our crown prosecutors are following up and ensuring that person is charged so that we can get that person into the programs that they need so that we can help them rehabilitate, whether that is um, through mental health um, or addictions, um, you know, processes, or whether it's through counseling and other forms of therapies that can help people. But the bottom line is, I think when we talk about weapons and what makes them dangerous and we see a lot of knife attacks, is it that knives have become more dangerous or is it that we have a situation going on in British Columbia where we're not supporting people's mental health and we start seeing a bunch of, you know, consequential incidents that have caused fear in the public. And I think, in my own opinion, is that it is the underlying cause here is a social one. It is a mental health issue and that we will make our community safer by addressing that issue. Eleanor Sterkel, it is a social one. It is a mental health problem. And that exists right now. But people still don't feel safe. They don't feel safe in Surrey. They don't feel safe in New Westminster. They don't feel safe in Vancouver when they hear stories of these attacks. Should they feel safer or should they be scared? I don't want to know that people live in fear. I think we need to have a healthy vigilance knowing that there is um, not necessarily the right kind of supports that we need right now. I think people do need to look and when they see something that they feel is a risk uh, to the public that they should call the police and report it. Um, You know, we all live in the reality that we do right now and there are circumstances that have um, propagated that that have put the public at risk as a result of untreated mental health issues. Um, But then again, you know, we need to make sure that we're moving in the right direction and not stigmatizing uh, everybody with a mental health issue as well, because the vast majority of people living in our province who have some type of mental illness, whether it's depression, uh, eating disorder, or, or what have you, are not violent and are not involved in the criminal justice system. But for those that are, we need urgent, immediate action from this government to start with accountability today, um, get some programming going, partner with some private, um, you know, organizations that are already doing tremendous work, 
get the supports that people need once they're being discharged from places that create stabilization like Redfish. And I think that it will go a tremendous way in helping rebuild that public confidence. Tell me about Redfish. Well, Redfish Healing Center actually is a very good um, center. It's it's uh, located close to where Riverview Hospital formerly was. It has inpatient voluntary and involuntary um, support and care and treatment for individuals with uh, concurrent mental health and addictions issues or complex mental health issues. Um, they People can go there um, from a referral where it's voluntary and they can also be put there involuntarily. Uh, they'll receive intensive treatment with the ultimate goal of helping them reintegrate back into the community, but they can live there at this time for up to nine months. We want to make that so that it would be up to two years um, and then move them into supportive um, situations after that. But uh, it's also a model of intensive uh you know, uh, services that we, BC Liberals or BC United, sorry, it's hard for me to know which one to say, but today we're turning to BC United. So we want to actually expand this across the province because, you know what, it's a great program. I think the only thing I would say right now um, that the main issue with this program is right now is just that once it's over, once that person is being discharged, you know, I've had people report to me that people are being discharged back to St. Paul's Hospital, who then transfers them to a homeless shelter just down the street. So we can't have people get stable, get away from an addiction, trying to recover, and then simply put them back into a homeless shelter where they're either going to be back into a crisis-inducing situation or just you know languish without the supports that they really need. So we want to see this kind of model uh, expanded, but but you know it can't be our our treatment of people, our care of individuals in British Columbia cannot end with discharge. There are many people who will need lifelong support. And, you know, ultimately, when you think about, like a redfish I've heard is over $1,000 a day to keep a person in bed there. Imagine how, you know, just two days stay is like rent for a month (laughs) in an apartment. So, I mean, we're spending a lot of money to put people through these intensive programs and then not supporting them only to have them cycle back through when in the long run, getting people stabilized and then helping them in the community as should have been done right from the get-go. I mean, let's face it, the closing of Riverview through multiple generations of different governments starting in the 1980s, the proper supports just weren't in place. But there is evidence, you know, it is evidence-based that people will thrive in communities with the right support, and it's time for us to start providing those. Okay, thank you. Surrey South Liberal MLA Eleanor Sturko.